Uh, if you got your Bibles, go with me to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. You ready for your Bible this morning? Awesome. At 9 a.m., come on. This is a new moment. Three, three services. Y'all thought we were nuts. We are. So, three services. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see where our 9 a.m. is at already. And pray for us at 12. Pray for us at 12. Or just come back at 12. Bring me coffee. That'd be nice. Um, but uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun day, and I and I do want to say this before before we read, you know one of the reasons that we're doing this I love the excitement of jam packed services like we've had when we were doing ten and eleven thirty and that, that's a lot of fun. But um, how many of you know that at a certain point it gets a little bit difficult to find seats and the ushers are running around and they're throwing seats at people, people are being sat in your lap and like all these all these weird thoughts and things are going on and so we wanted to make sure that we could set uh, just make sure that we could have another service where uh, we know that people can have a seat. And that's why we're doing this. Plus, I heard there was mutiny on the ship when we took away 9 a.m. And all you early birds were like, what are we doing? I don't know if I like this church anymore. They took away my early service. And well, here you go, 9 a.m. And, uh, and so let's just see if you're here during the wintertime when there's snow outside, okay? <laughs> then we'll talk. So Acts chapter 15, verse 30 says this. So they were sent off and went down to Antioch. And after gathering the assembly, they delivered the letter. When they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Both Judas and Silas, different Judas, just so we are clear on that, who were also prophets themselves, encouraged the brothers and sisters and strengthened them with a long message. Verse 33, after spending some time there, they were sent back in peace by the brothers and sisters and those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas, along with many others, remained in Antioch, teaching and proclaiming the word of the Lord. Now, before we read any further, we need to understand something about Paul and Barnabas. They were really good friends. Barnabas' name means uh, son of encouragement. Barnabas would be the one that after Paul comes out of many theologians and scholars would believe about a 12 to 14 year hiatus after he uh, meets Jesus and, and, and comes to a new place in his life, uh, Barnabas would be the one who would encourage Paul into ministry. Uh, Paul, by many, was, uh, was deemed as somebody who could not come back from the life that he was living before. He was persecuting the church, presumably even killing Christians, or at least signing off on, on the killing of Christians. And so Paul then, receiving Jesus, would come back to this place where now he was going to engage in building the church, the thing that Jesus said that he was going to build. Paul and Barnabas would team up, and Barnabas would be his greatest encouragement. Barnabas would be the ones telling people, hey, listen, he's okay. He's not crazy anymore. He's going to be all right. He's not going to kill anybody. Jesus is using him. Something new is happening in his life. How many of you need a Barnabas in our life at times, right? How many of us need a Barnabas, somebody who's going to encourage us out of the broken and dark places of our lives? So this is, this is this moment. So they've spent time in ministry together. They've been doing all kinds of different things together. Watch what happens in verse 36. After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Sounds like a great plan. Verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them and had not gone with them to the work. So Paul had an issue with with this dude. He didn't want to do ministry with him. Verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. That they parted company. They disagreed and they parted company company. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed. After being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord, he traveled through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. So today as we continue on in our series, Mixtapes and Love Letters, I want to speak to you from the subject, the end of the road. 
the end of the road. As we look at what happens when our relationships come to an end, will you pray with me just one more time this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful, has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so God, right now, we just submit ourselves to the authority of your word. We submit ourselves to the grace of your word. And it's in that place of submission that we find change, that we find hope, that we find growth. And so do that in us right now, God. We're listening. Our ears are open to you. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, at 9 a.m., shouted, amen. Amen. I broke a window when I was a kid. My dad's house. I still remember it pretty specifically. It was, we were living in, I believe it was Aptos, California at the time, and um, we, were, we were Navy brats, and so we moved around a lot. But this particular house, uh, I'll never forget, it had this front yard, and then it had this gigantic window, at, uh, like, above the door. And it was a huge window. I'd, I'd give it probably about six to seven feet of, of window. Just this massive pane of glass. Beautiful. Let tons of light into the house, California light, and it was, it was beautiful. But I remember I had this proclivity towards not moving rocks in an upward direction, um, anywhere but towards houses. That's what I like to do. If I was going to throw a rock, if I was going to hit a rock, a house had to be in front of it. I couldn't do it in another place. And so um, I had a bat, plastic bat, out in my dad's front yard, and I was picking up rocks, and I was hitting these rocks, and hitting these rocks, and hitting these rocks, until one of these rocks flew and hit this window. Bat! Hit this window. And I watched this entire window. Have you seen this before? It just started to splinter, Right? Not like a windshield, it's like just regular house window, and it just, and these cracks just splintered all the way up into the corners and everything like that, but it didn't fall out. And I was like, praise Jesus. <laughs> because the window didn't fall out, I figured that I might be able to get out of this reality, right? No one would notice it. It didn't fall, there wasn't a, an insanely loud noise, it just had cracked. So I, uh, I, ran, into the, I ran into the house, and I was like, Dad, Dad, something happened to the window, I don't know what. But something happened. And so dad goes down and he's like, were you hitting rocks? And I was like, yes, it's hitting rocks again. He's like, go outside, get your bat, bring it inside, you're in trouble. Sure enough. Then he said something as I was leaving that I don't really remember hearing, but I remember hearing it, but not assimilating it into my heart in that moment, which was, don't slam the door when you come inside. I was like, that's a dumb statement. Why would I not? So I went outside, I grabbed my bat, and sure enough, as I came running inside, whoom, slammed that door. And the window just, just came flying out. And I was kind of stood there, it's like, what'd you do? Right? And I was thinking about this the other day as we were working through this relationship series, and I think for many of us, we can be in relationships where there's cracks and there's splintering And then it's when we leave the relationship, we shut the door on the relationship, that it all comes shattering down. And we leave relationships like that. What I've come to realize is that when relationships end, many times we don't leave it healthfully, we have a tendency to leave it unhealthfully. And what I've come to realize about leaving unhealthfully is we actually like it better that way because to leave a relationship with health is a whole lot harder. We can actually, come on, let's just work a little bit with me. We can actually leave relationships unhealthily, and it makes it easier for us to assimilate the leaving of a relationship. I can justify it. I can work with it, even though we're causing some of this pain. And I think one thing that we don't talk about very much as a church, especially as a Christian community, for those of us who call ourselves Christ followers in here, is the ending of relationships. Because we have this belief system, we have this understanding that nothing like that would ever happen in our lives. 
right? How many of you realize that sometimes we live in this euphoric nirvana state reality about our Christian faith? The problem is, is when we read verses like this, we don't know how to reconcile it. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to help us understand that relationships are going to come to an end. Now, let's, let's, let's put a comma there for a second. I want, to, I want to have a qualifier. This message that I'm dealing with today is not a message about ending relationships in the context of marriage. That's a whole different subject matter on, with this reality. So I'm not bringing commentary to that specific reality right now. But I'm going to talk generally about the rest of our relationships. Maybe friendships. Maybe you're dating somebody in here. Man, I watch it all the time when, when people are dating in church life. It's the, it's the messiest thing ever, right? They're dating and they meet each other at church and everything's great and grand and awesome and good. Then they break up, right? They don't love Jesus anymore. They hate the church, right? And it's like, well, you just broke up. Like, what's the big deal? Hey, this is why we planted another campus. If you think about leaving, just go to, go to downtown, right? I'll call Pastor Andrew. They broke up. They're splitting. They're parting ways. They're dividing the house. <laughs> Here's the truth. Not every breakdown in relationship has to be broken in nature. There are actually ways to have healthy breakups in our lives. And so many times when we go through relational breakdown, it ends up looking like that window that I put a rock through. And as it shatters into pieces and flies everywhere, the destruction is obvious and people are injured in the process, right? There's collateral damage, there's shrapnel everywhere. But it doesn't have to be this way. We actually can have a breakdown in relationships. There can be a parting of ways, just like Paul and, Sil- or Paul and Barnabas right here, and not have brokenness everywhere, all right? But we've got to wrestle with it. We've got to look at some stuff and deal with some stuff that we don't typically deal with. And Paul and Barnabas wouldn't be the only, only people that we would see with relational breakage, right? In Genesis chapter 13, 5 through 8, we would read this. Now Lot, who was traveling with Abram, also had flocks, herds, and tents, but the land was unable to support them as long as they stayed together. For they had so many possessions that they could not stay together. And there was quarreling between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At the time, the Canaanites and the Pezzarites were living in the land. So Abram said to Lot, please, let's not have quarreling between you and I or between your herdsmen and my herdsmen since we are relatives. They're family. Isn't the whole land before you? Separate from me. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. Now let's double down on it. Jesus even had breakdown in relationship. He had disciples that would leave him, followers who would leave him. He would have some of his closest people who would betray him and deny him. So here's the funny thing about it is if even Jesus had relational destruction at times, there's frustration in his relationship, how much more will we have? And we've got to be able to understand this reality because we need to walk through it in a way that is healthy, God-honoring in nature. right? Relational breakdown is part of the journey. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. The issue that we have to deal with is whether or not we can do it right. And even right now, some of us in here are struggling with the fact that I'm saying this. But this is why we talked about reconciliation last week. Because our first port of call is for reconciliation. But what happens when it just seemingly is not possible? That we have to part ways. My hope is that we can do it healthfully. That we can do it in a way that honors God. There's a right way that we can do this. And I believe the Bible gives us some very clear truths for this type of relational navigation. And that's what I want to take the rest of our time together to look at today. I want to take a look at some truths concerning relational breakup in order to help us do it right. You you need to fill in the gaps, though. 
Maybe you're dating and you're on the verge of breakup. Maybe you're friends and, and the friendship's just not working. Or maybe, you're, maybe you're in a table group and you're like, man, I'm just struggling with this leader, this person, and, and I need to shift table groups. I get it. I understand it. I want us to wrestle through how we do relationship. And even, like, right, I mentioned that. Some of you are like, you can do that? As long as you do it right. We can do a lot of things. And I think the reason that, that especially when it comes to church life and Christian communities, and again, I'm, I'm speaking inherently to those of us who, are, who call ourselves as Christians, one of the greatest reasons that relationships are so funky within the context of church life is because we actually don't navigate them appropriately. We do it all out of dysfunction. It doesn't have to be broken. People are people. Come on, somebody. Right? So we can work through these ways in a way that honors God and that we can keep on moving forward. So I want to give us some truths concerning that. You good? All right, come on, everybody, help me out. Everybody shout number one. Here's the first truth. Just because there's distance does not mean there has to be division. Just because there is distance does not mean there has to be division. Acts chapter 15, 39 through 41, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. There's the distance. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and the sisters to the grace of the Lord. What I truly appreciate about the situation that arose between Paul and Barnabas was that they chose not to allow their distance to create division. They all still traveled in the direction they needed it to go in order to fulfill everything that God had for them in the missionary endeavors. Come on, somebody. That's really important for us to understand because how many times do we break a relationship, we have distance between us, and we stop doing what God's called us to do? And we start creating division. Now there's distance. I'm, a, I'm not just creating distance. I want to create division. They create sides. Right? How many times have we done this? When there's relational distancing, we create sides. We move churches. We stop going to church as a whole. We stop following Jesus. We start gossiping and slinging mud all to deal with, this is our way of dealing with the relational breakdown. It doesn't have to be this way. Listen to a few truths that the Bible teaches us about division. 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 15. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say. That there be no divisions among you, that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. Did you know that we do not have to be together in relationship to have united vision? For it's been reported to me about you, my brothers and sisters, by members of Chloe's people, that there is rivalry among you. What I'm saying is this. One of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Paulus, I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in Paul's name? I thank God that I baptized none of you except for Crispus and, and, and Gaius, so that none of you can say you were baptized in my name. See, it's human nature to create division where there's distance. But allowing ourselves to find ourselves underneath the authority of God's word means that there could be distance, but there doesn't have to be division. Right? Just because Dave and I are distanced in relationship doesn't mean we have to be divided in cause and nature. How many, how many of us have experienced this before? Right? We have a friend, we have somebody we're going to church with, and then something happens in our relationship, and all of a sudden, instead of figuring out a different way to have distance and be like, you know, I'm going to sit over on this side of the auditorium, or I'm going to start going to the downtown campus, or I'm going to start going to the 12 p.m., uh, service time where the holy people are going to be at. Like instead of, instead of doing that, what do we do? We make the other person the enemy. 
We don't have to do it that way. There's so many. Romans chapter 16, 17 through 18, Titus 3, 9 through 11. It all centers around this idea of not having division. See, Paul and Barnabas understood this. They saw this. They realized that the advancement of God's kingdom and the gospel was much more important than the drama at play in their relationship. They, while being upset, understood that division was not an option, so they chose distance and said. I've, I've said this before. It's, it's better to love at a distance than hate in proximity. You know what's interesting about, about Christians especially? I'm just going to call out all the weird stuff that we do right now. Because <laughs> how many of you, we do some weird stuff sometimes. In the name of our theology, we'll say that we can't have distance in relationship, but we will hate that person while we're in proximity to them. We'll go against the very, like, we'll go against how we should be living versus like, hey, I'm going to have healthy distance and healthy boundaries so that I can love you instead of being close to you and hating you. It's getting quiet in church this morning. Come on. Come on, come on, 9 a.m. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to throw something out for us this morning. We are not all going to get along. <laughs> I know. Have you ever done that before? You stepped into church and you thought all of a sudden that you were living in this, like, incubation of perfection, that everything is supposed to just work the way that we want it to work. I'm going to say, and everybody's just, we're all going to get along. And you have to do that move with it because it helps you understand that that is not a reality. Right? We're all just going to get along. Like, it's church. Everybody's going to get along. It's going to be awesome. They're going to love one. I'm going to walk in and it's just going to be one big circle of kumbaya. (laughs) Y'all? It's all those things. And then you walk in and you realize that there are pods of people. And then we say things like that that church is cliquish. (laughs) It's not cliquish. Being in a pot of people isn't clickish. Why? Because we're not going to get along with everybody. Right? right? There's going to be people oh, that we don't see eye to eye with. There's going to be people who annoy you. Whose personality just rubs you the wrong way. And here's the problem. Instead of dealing with it in a healthy manner, we just walk out. The gospel fleshes itself out in relationship even if there's distance in that relationship, the gospel doesn't flush itself when we just give up on everything. Uh, am I making sense? Okay, so we gotta work through this reality. We're not, we're not, it literally is an impossibility. Did you know that, that uh, sociological uh, behavioral studies would tell us that people only really have the ability to work with relational numbers around 10 to 15? Beyond that, it's very difficult. I have a very good friend of mine, Ben. He's sitting on the front row today. He's a counselor. He counsels me. I'm loopy sometimes. But you can ask him about some of this stuff. People only have the ability to compute certain types of relationships. That's why even some of you were so excited about the 9 a.m. and smaller services because the big services were overwhelming. This is actually why as a church we're doubling down on this reality that we're not just getting us all into one big gigantic building. We'll preach multiple services so that we can all compute relationships a little bit better. I'm excited right now because I get to see more faces now than I got to when we were in two services. Why? Because our minds and our hearts can't compute it sometimes. But yet we try to demand it all in the name of kumbaya. Kumbaya. 
Christianity. We don't have to make people bad just because we don't get along. <laughs> but don't we cope with things like that? The only way I can really like, navigate this reality in my life is I've got I've to demonize somebody. Come on, am I talking to church this morning? We're not all going to be relationally connected, but we can be vision united. And just because we have relational distance does not mean that we have to have kingdom division. Can I get a good amen in church this morning? All right, number two, every shot number two? Not all, come on, every shot number two? Not all relational breakdown is bad. Not all relational breakdown is bad. Let's go back to Genesis 13, 5 through 8. Now Lot, who was traveling with Abram, also had flocks, herds, and tents. Watch this, verse 6. This is interesting. But the land was unable to support them as long as they stayed together. The land was unable to support them as long as they stayed together. There are going to be moments, times, and season where the land of your promise cannot support your relational suitcase. I'm going to say that one more time. There are going to be times and seasons where the land of your promise, the the, the place that God is bringing to you, cannot support your relational suitcase. You are not going to be able to bring every relationship that you have into new territory, into promised lands, into new seasons, especially when God is calling us up underneath the theme of a grand biblical word called consecration. This is an interesting word. This is what it means. It means separation of persons, utensils, if you're carrying forks on your person right now, buildings or places from everyday secular uses for exclusive dedication to holy or sacred use. And God consecrates us. There are times and seasons and moments in our journey of faith with Jesus where he is going to call us out in a consecration type of way. He's gonna say, I need you to step out of the fray of things. I need you to move into this new place that I'm taking you, and you can't bring that suitcase of relationships with you. Am I talking to anybody? Right? And so many times that we... We think that we can move into new seasons and new moments, navigate new realities and life stages that our relationships will go there with us. The truth is that many times they won't, and many times they can't. And so what we need to do when there's relational breakdown in our lives is to cope with it by making it bad. We just talked about that. We give it a designation that enables us to put it in a box in order to not have to wade through all the other variables and possibilities of the relationship and what's actually happening to it. You ever been there before? So I take a relationship and I know that it's changing. We're just not the same, like people, like we say this, like you're just not the same type of friend anymore. You're not the same person. Have you ever heard this before? You're not the same person anymore. I talk to a lot of young adults especially who come out of, come out of, like they, they say yes to Jesus and Jesus starts radically doing stuff in their life and they're going through new moments and things are falling off and they're finding freedom from things and all of a sudden I'll sit down at coffee with them and they say, it's really hard, I feel really lonely, all my friends are leaving me and I'm like, why? And they, what do they say? They say, you're becoming a different person. You're no longer the same person and I'm like, good! <laughs> What they're saying is that you're no longer clubbing it with me, you're no longer drinking with me, you're no longer doing all these, that's what they're saying. And here's what's happening, is that you may feel lonely, but God's taking you into a new position. He's taking you into a new place. It doesn't make it bad, it doesn't make them bad, it just makes you consecrated. 
We got to learn to be consecrated. We got to learn to be alone sometimes. <laughs> there are going to be times that God is going to call us. Here, we need to hear this. There's going to be times that God is going to call us into isolation and independence in order to build further dependence upon him. And then here's what I've come to realize. Many times we will try to step into the season that God is bringing us into while trying to align with relationships that do not work for or are supposed to be a part of that new season. So then we have a tug of war happening, right? We're trying to constantly, we're trying to align with people. We're trying to align with the people that we've done life with. And then we say things like this. We're like, well, my, I'm going to influence them. For Jesus. You ever said this before? Come on. I'm going to influence them for Jesus. I'm going to be, no, you're not. Because last time we talked and last time you tried to influence them for Jesus, you barely could walk. Oh, I got quiet in church today. I'm happy you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes the greatest influence that we will have is finding ourselves in a place of dependence upon Jesus. And many times that looks lonely. That looks lonely. It's hard. This is where we have to understand that not all relational breakdown is bad. Sometimes our relationships break down because God is calling us into new things. I distinctly remember how God was preparing me when I was in Australia, especially the last year of Bible college. I remember uh, moving out of my flat. I was living with four other guys, and I lived on my own, by myself in my own home, my own little apartment. And I'll never forget this apartment. It was, a, it was this lady who owned the house. It was a big, it was a big like, kind of like a row housing like you'd see in San Francisco, and she split it off so that like different rooms, she turned them into like apartments, little mini apartments. So my, my little mini apartment I would walk in had a small stove, small refrigerator, and a bedroom, and like a little tiny kitchen. And that was my, that was my home. Now, for a like an extreme extrovert, that was prison, right? That was really hard for me. It was hard for me to go home after a long day and then sit in a room, by, by like a bedroom and a kitchen by myself. Like I could cook and make my bed at the same time, right? Eggs and pillows, eggs and pillows, eggs and pillows. It was awesome. But that was a moment of consecration because God was doing something new in me. And that last year of my, of my college life was so hard for me. But there were some things that God was doing in me. There were some things that he was working on in me because little did I know that I would get back and I would be jumping right into ministry and Eric and I shortly would be getting married later. Like I was going through all these new changes and I needed a consecrated moment. And so as relationships, my buddies would say to me, you've changed. This is in Bible college. You've changed, bro. You've changed, bro. Right? How did I change? What, what does that change look like? Well, you're, just, you're not hanging out all the time. You're not staying up late all the time. You're not doing all the things with us all the time. You're not goofing off in Philippians class anymore. Like, you've changed, bro. You're not going on early morning surfing expeditions with you. You've changed, man. You've changed. No, no, I hadn't changed. I'd just been consecrated. And I had two options in front of me. I could treat those relationships and be like, those people are bad. No, they're just not a part of this new season that I'm moving into. And I got to trust God. And the crazy thing was is that as I trusted God with the new season, he brought in new relationships. 
who could stand with me in the new season that I was getting ready to step into. Because here's the thing sometimes that we have to just reconcile this. We're going to have relationships in our life that cannot handle the new season and new promised land that we're stepping into. You're either going to be pulled down or you're going to move forward. Number three, come on, everybody shout number three. The last one is this. <laughs> what you carry from one relationship, you tend to start the next one with. What you carry from one relationship, you tend to start the next one with. Have you ever, I'm going to invite the team back up. Have you ever packed for a trip before? Well, yeah, you always pack for a trip, but. <laughs> have you ever packed for a trip before and at the end of your packing, you realize I have way too much for this trip? Come on. Men, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm the guy who does it in my house. My wife actually doesn't do it. I pack. She's like, are you bringing all those shoes? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so we pack. And then have you ever had this moment of freak out when you realize that you're on, you're on this vacation, you're on this journey, and stuff that you're gathering from that journey, you're trying to also then try to stuff in that suitcase that's already full? Have you noticed that we do this with relationships? This is why I want to encourage us with a very simple truth this morning. Leave the baggage at the door. When we exit a relationship, when the relationship is coming to a close for whatever reason, can we drop the luggage at the door? But many of us, we try to pull, and I wish I had luggage today, but we try to pull one relational bag of tricks into the next relationship and all of a sudden, come on somebody, and then you're entering into a relationship and you're like, hey, look at me and all my bags. Everybody sees your bags and they don't want a relationship with you. And then you keep on going, like, why is there relational distancing? Why can't I make friends? Because they see all your bags. Come on. They're like, that person traveled heavy. Right? Like, how long are you staying? <laughs> Because there's a lot there. We got to leave the baggage at the door. So here's three ways to leave a relationship well, and I'm going to end it on this. First one is this. Love in leaving the way that you would love in staying. Did you hear that today? Love in leaving the way that you would love in staying. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 19, let love be without hypocrisy, detest evil, cling to what is good, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters, outdo, outdo, outdo one another in showing honor, do not lack diligence and zeal, be fervent in the spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, persistent in prayer, share with the saints and their needs, pursue hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, and verse 16, live in harmony with one another. So that's how we love. We need to love in leaving the way that we would love if we were staying because that's the same way. If we're gonna be in relationship, we should love each other like that. If we're not gonna be in relationship, we should love each other like that. Did you hear that? Because that'll change the world right there because many of us change our love when there's distance in relationship. We don't need to change our love. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It just means there might be distance in our relationship. Don't change our love. Just love the same way no matter what the relationship looks like. Drop your luggage at the door. Psalm 55, verse 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord. That's how I do it, I just cast it. When things are breaking down, when friendships are changing and 
you're dating and you're not dating anymore. You're dating, you're not dating anymore. Come on, cast, your, cast the stuff to the Lord. Come on, am I talking to anybody today? And the third one is this. Third way to leave a relationship, well, be a Christian. <laughs> I know that goes without saying. But if we're honest, have you ever realized that we change so many times when relational breakdown's happening? We stop being a Christian. Colossians 3, 12 through 13, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly beloved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. That's how we leave a relationship. And the fourth point is not a toss-away point, but it's the end of this thing. It's the conclusion, and this is what we have to realize, is that we have to remember that I'm not the only one who's lost a relationship before. Jesus lost him. And Jesus died for every single one of those lost relationships. I know today can be one of those interesting messages where it's like, man, I haven't wrestled with that concept before that it's hard to deal with. Ben was telling us at the beginning uh, today when we kind of had a huddle up, he was telling us about a book, I believe it's by Henry Cloud, called Necessary Endings. And what happens when endings are necessary? It's, it's part of the journey. It's part of the, part of the reality. And I know that we don't like to deal with this stuff, but come on, as your pastor today, I know there's been moments where I've read things like this and it's like, we're either going to skip over that portion of scripture and not deal with it or we're going to dig into it and talk about the hard stuff. And I hope today we've got some information and some context that can help us navigate relational friction when there's distance. And here's what I've also come to realize about these relationships. Remember, I had the qualifier at the beginning. What's interesting about them is that when I entrust them to God, it's amazing how many times he brings them back around as both of us go through the journey of faith that Jesus is bringing us on. And I pray that as we work through these moments together, that all of us would be able to come on the backside of it, realizing, wait a second, I can do relational breakdown in a healthy way in Jesus' name. Come on, would you stand your feet with me this morning?